Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, August the 15th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, that's a wrap. Training camp is over. The practices are no longer available to the public, and it's down to limited availability for the media. We'll get you caught up on the latest from the 14th and final practice of training camp. Answer your Twitter questions and hear from Coach Gaze. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. When you subscribe to a podcast, it automatically downloads for you so you don't have to go find the episode every single day. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network. We have a piece up right now from Joshua Soden talking about Devontae Parker's fall from grace, as well as the camp updates from Jason Harina every single day, doing a fantastic job on that stuff. And of course, last but not least, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's get to some news. All right, Miami! And as he does every single day, the Mad Dog leads us into our news items. We've got a few for today. Injury and otherwise. Let's start with otherwise. Bashad Breland didn't happen. You guys know that by now. But the wheel keeps on turning as the Dolphins were reportedly linked to Eagles cornerback Ronald Darby. The team has a trade relationship with the Eagles, obviously going back to last year and Jay Ajayi, but nothing has materialized on that front just yet. And Benjamin Albright on Twitter, one of the more accurate league sources on Twitter, says the Giants and Dolphins could be teams interested in recently released Orlando Skandrick. He was cut from the Redskins after signing a free agent deal back in March. I don't agree that the Dolphins will kick those tires. I think he's too small, just five foot ten. But Matt Burke did mention he's tired of these rookie mistakes he's getting on defense, and I don't know exactly who he's talking about there, but Skandrick is a veteran who knows how to prepare and knows how to play every coverage in the book. So you could see some interest in that regard. Once again, I'll say I don't think it happens for Miami. And injuries for the day. Devontae Parker has a broken finger and is being stated as week to week by the Dolphins. But I also saw that this injury typically lasts four to six weeks. Knowing Devontae Parker the way we do, you have to assume that it'll be on the back end of that six-week type of injury because these things tend to linger for him and last longer than they really should. Adam Gaze did not comment any further on it other than to say that he expects Devontae back for opening day, but you kind of hope that's not the case and the Dolphins can play the better wide receivers behind him on the depth chart, obviously talking about Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and maybe even some other guys as well. Other players down at practice for Tuesday, Kenny Stills is still nursing that soft tissue strain. William Hayes and Jake Brendel remain out. Mike Hole obviously not working, but Frank Gore comes back after a veteran day off on Monday. And additionally, Kalen Balage and Marquise Gray are both in the concussion protocol, which means we likely won't see either of them on Friday night at the Carolina Panthers. This creates an opportunity for rookie running back from FAU, Buddy Howell, to build upon his impressive NFL preseason debut against the Buccaneers. And maybe even fourth-round rookie tight end Durham Smythe can get some more work with maybe the second team as a tight end. Both those players, I thought, showed out pretty well in the second half of that Tampa Bay game. But that will do it for the news today. Let's go ahead and kick it off with some notes from around training camp. That's another Miami Dolphins 
It seems like every single day the cornerback and wide receiver positions get run on the podcast as well as on Twitter and just dominating the headlines around the Miami Dolphins lately. And that didn't change today. The Dolphins will get looks at Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant with the first team for extended time on Friday night as we anticipate Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker being down for that game. We'll talk more on that later. But the cornerback position seems to be a daily evolving entity and it goes every single day by day with this group finding out who is the second corner, who's playing the nickel, and where Mika Fitzpatrick lines up at. And now we're introducing all of these other cornerbacks from other teams that could have a possible link to the Dolphins. And one of those guys is Ronald Darby. One of those guys is Orlando Skandrick. We don't have any news on either of those guys yet. But perhaps the most interesting bit is that they have been keeping Bobby McCain on the outside of the defense in the nickel package and bringing Minka Fitzpatrick down into the nickel. Now, I like the idea of getting your best five defensive backs onto the field, and I think TJ McDonald could be that right now over a Cordrea Tankersley, over a Tory McTire, over a Tony Lippett, but I really don't like the idea of tanking, taking Minka out of that center field look. Yes, he will still have that role in dime defense and of course other packages and other looks, even the base as well, he'll slide back in there. But I worry that these guys could fudge up the roster and the personnel decision-making at the defensive back position if they don't be careful and make sure they put guys in the best position to succeed because for my money, Minka Fitzpatrick's best value to this team is propping up Rashad Jones to allow him to do what he does best. And if you have McDonald back there covering center field, that's not going to be the case. But nonetheless... When you're in the base defense and you have McCain at one corner, Howard at the other corner, you can take McDonald off the field there and keep Mika Fitzpatrick as your free safety in that look. So encouraging, concerning, a little bit of both at cornerback and secondary alike. We'll find out more about that as the weeks go on here, as we are just 25 days away from the opener against Tennessee Titans. But other notes from around practice, it sounds like the offense and the quarterback once again were sharp throwing the football on time and on target. Tempers flared up on Monday's practice, but cooled back down on Tuesday. No reports of fights or the like in Tuesday's practice. And that, guys, is going to do it for our camp reports. We have nothing left to talk about with training camp and practice. We're going to have more games to talk about as the Dolphins will play two preseason games with extended time from the starters. I think you can see Ryan Tannehill play well into the second quarter or maybe... I should say into the second quarter and definitely cover the entire first quarter. I hope you guys enjoy these reports as much as I enjoyed reporting on them. We have the written pieces up on LockedOnDolphins.com by Jason Harina. He's been pumping those out every single day and killed it all training camp long with those write-ups. We are going to get to you guys' Twitter mailbag next, as well as Adam Gaze's presser. But first, a word from our friends over at Vivid Seats. And if you don't know what Vivid Seats is by now, you are really slacking. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but concerts, football games, baseball games, those live events are the best thing I do in my life every single year. Vivid Seats offers great prices for NFL games and all live events, concerts, baseball games, whatever it is. And with the NFL returning in September, Locked On listeners can receive a 10% discount off their first purchase with Vivid Seats. Don't sit at home and watch the Dolphins open the season against the Tennessee Titans at Hard Rock Stadium September the 9th coming up in less than a month. Vivid Seats offering Locked On Dolphins listeners 10% off that first ticket purchase when you use exclusive promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On promo code, new customers only, and the offer is good through the end of August. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. So go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter promo code Locked 
locked on for 10% off your first order. The offseason is over, the NFL is back, and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. Pressing on into segment number two, one of my favorite segments that we do on the podcast here. And we haven't had a chance to do it lately because of the just busy nature of the football team covering practice and even games. But we're going to get back into the Twitter mailbag. You guys pumped out tons of questions for me. So it's going to cover the entire segment here. Can't wait to get into it. Let's go ahead and jump right in. First question comes from David Eversole. He is at Miami Sports Dave. Name one player now that comes out of nowhere to be a starter week one, not because of injury, but because of his performance. And I don't know if this is necessarily a guy out of nowhere because he has been shining so far in camp in the preseason, at least the one game. But I'm going to go with Vincent Taylor starting opposite Devon Godshaw taking over for Akeem Spence up front. Spence had a really rough night on Thursday. Granted, it is the preseason, but Taylor offers so much against the run. He's tough to move, and I think he could really have a big impact in terms of how this run defense needs to get better and that he could be the answer for that there. So Vincent Taylor, my pick to start there. Next question comes from Zach Pagano. He is at Zach Pagano. Which player or position group improved the most during training camp and who had the biggest decline? I think the decline question is easily the cornerbacks just because the number two guy we were hoping would step up never really materialized, or at least to this point, it has not. Cordray Tankersley had a nice rookie season, but it sounds like his camp has been very up and down. I never expected much from Lippitt, but he is what he is. And then Torrey McTire had a quick rise, and now he has kind of faded since. And so I think the cornerbacks, because the Dolphins are out shopping for other cornerbacks, as far as the riser, I'm going to go with running back because it's so deep at this point. Kalen Balash really showed some special stuff in that first game. Buddy Howe played really well. We all know what Kenyon Drake is, and then Frank Gore there, obviously, too. So, and the not, not to mention Sonoris Perry, who was fantastic in the game too. So I think you have four or five running backs on this team that belong on NFL roster. So I'll go running backs most improved, cornerbacks biggest decline. Next question comes from Garrett Wade at GWade289. Thoughts on the right cut and DP broken finger? Talking about Gabe Wright and Devontae Parker. Who will be the top three receivers by week one of the regular season? Let's go ahead and start with Gabe Wright. I think it's absolutely what you have to do. Adam Gase has not been shy from sending messages throughout the course of his career so far. You go back to 2016 when he cut Jameel Douglas, Dallas Thomas, and Billy Turner. And you can't be punching first string running backs or first string players if you're a guy trying to make the roster. Send the message, get him off the team, get that crap out of there because they didn't stand for it with Ajayi and Landry. Why would Gabe Wright be any different? As far as Devontae Parker, I think this is going to be what ultimately undoes him. He's not even a tradable asset now at this point because of the finger. So I think he just finds his way back into the back end of the rotation of the wide receivers. Just like I talked about the entire offseason, top three receivers for me are going to be Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola with Jakeem Grant factoring very heavily into that rotation. Next question is comes from Jason uh, Jason SM3831 at Tanny Daddy 69 What should we do with Parker? Just park his ass on the bench, make him the fifth receiver, throw him some targets in the red zone when he gets healthy, and that's about it. I, I just don't expect much of him to develop with the Dolphins. If he's going to have a career, it's probably going to be somewhere else. Next question comes from Sam Clark at Samuel Adam Clark. Which preseason overreaction do you believe has some validity to it? I would say just the defense in general, especially up the middle with the run defense. Akeem Spence was brought in because of his or his familiarity with the defense, the penetrating, attacking, aggressive type of style. 
that Coach Chris Kusarek brought over from Detroit. But I think that him getting washed out so often on Thursday is a sign of bad things to come with him. Raquan McMillan, yeah, we all have high expectations, but I think we should probably temper those a little bit. Just the middle of the defense in general is my overreaction that might have some validity to it this preseason. Next question comes from Chris Ballard. He is at the jeweler. How do you feel about the team at the end of camp as compared to your preseason expectations? To be perfectly honest, Chris, I really don't have a change in the way I feel about it. Hell, I've been 10 and six on this team since before the off season, just in trusting they would make the right moves. And to me, they did. So I'm staying with that. I'm not going to put a whole bunch into these reports from guys like Armando Salguero, who, I mean, do you really trust his eyes? I heard a buddy of mine tweeted me the other day or private messaged me on Twitter saying that he was at camp one time and Omar Kelly wasn't even watching. He was looking at his phone the entire time. And then he writes this entire report like he knew what was going on. So I just don't think you really can trust those guys 100%. Not to say there aren't guys out there that have good reports and good tweets, but like I've said throughout the course of this training camp, you have to take those reports with a grain of salt. So I'm staying the same and just flatlining on that prediction. Next question comes from DJ Strauss. He is at DJS2344. How realistic is it that Devontae Parker gets cut? I don't think he'll get cut. I mean, if you cut him, it's because Isaiah Ford, Francis Owusu, or somebody else really stepped up and earned that spot and put Devontae Parker on the back burner. I think you have to keep him because $3 million for a receiver with that type of talent is something you can you can maybe try to work with this year. And I know I said put him on the bench, but I just don't think you cut him and get nothing for him this entire season. Next question comes from Bob Mattis at Bob underscore Mattis. Who are your three biggest concerns so far? Excuse me. What are your three biggest concerns so far? I will say the middle of the defense, like I talked about on that previous question, that's a bit of a worry. I think the cornerback depth that was supposed to be very good all of a sudden might be a bit of a concern. I still trust Tankersley to play well and have a good second year, but I'm a little bit worried about that. And then I'll go with the offensive line's ability to run block. I think it was impressive on the first game of the preseason, but this group wasn't brought here to run block. And I just don't want to see Kenyon Drake, like the Dolphins running backs have been for two years in a row now, the most frequently contacted running back in the backfield. And while he's good enough to kind of overcome that stuff, I worry that maybe, you know, that's going to really deter what the running game is. And by nature of that, the offense in general. Next question comes from FinFan in Jetsland at Fins underscore fan underscore in underscore NJ. Which veteran player is in danger of being cut? I'm going to go with Tony Lippett just because of the injury concern, the fact that he hasn't really gotten over that yet, and the fact that I just wasn't high on his ability to begin with. I don't think he'll be cut, but if I had to pick one, it'd be him. This roster is better than it has been in a long time, so a lot of these guys are shoe-ins for the roster. There's probably about 30 to 35 shoe-ins on this roster, and I think Lippett probably falls right on that fringe. Next question comes from Matthias. He is at Weckneard. Which position group will will you be watching closely on Friday night? This is a very easy answer for me. The wide receivers, I can't wait to see how they incorporate Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson as the top two guys of the position group. I think both guys have the ability to be really big time players, not consistent third down double coverage beaters, not guys that you pump the ball to 10, 15 times a game, but just guys that can impact the game with big plays on the offensive side of the football. And I expect them to do that as early as Friday night. Last question here comes from Finn Sanity at just the facts 32. Who do you believe are the starting defensive backs week one? I think ultimately you'll find 
Cordray Tankersley getting that job that he wants, but not as the base cornerback. So I think that McCain will earn himself 100% of the snaps playing base on the outside and then kicking inside when Cordray Tankersley comes onto the field for the nickel. So I'll go with McCain and Howard, the two corners, Jones and Fitzpatrick, the two safeties, and then Cordray Tankersley and TJ McDonald both playing significant reps off the bench as well. So that's the Twitter mailbag for you guys. Really appreciate you guys writing those questions in here. We're going to get to another segment here on the podcast talking about Adam Gaze's comments after practice on Tuesday, we'll do that next. Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. The third and final segment of the Wednesday podcast for August the 15th, covering yesterday's practice on Tuesday the 14th. And Coach Gaze spoke to the media after practice for about 17 minutes. And he gave us a couple of nuggets that I really, really appreciated or, or that I really enjoyed hearing him talk about. And the first one to me was a shot across the bow of former Dolphins receiver Jarvis Landry. Someone asked him about Albert Wilson and what he does to prepare himself and to make sure that he knows this offense in year number one. A lot of the questions were surrounded around Ryan Tannehill being in year three and how he being in that position, seeing so much in this offense allows him to play at a faster speed than they previously were allowed to do to change tempos at practice and get the huddle going in and out quicker. And Albert Wilson was one of the guys that he wanted to mention as a guy that is very prideful in the way he works. And he said that Albert Wilson is very prideful in knowing the playbook and not making mistakes in practice. That's been a nice transition for us. And what he means by that is a transition from last year when certain guys weren't in the playbook. I've talked about this at length after the Baltimore Ravens game in 2017. He eviscerated some of the Dolphins' top star players, Jarvis Landry, Jay Ajayi, for not doing enough off the field to get themselves ready outside of the facility and outside of the time that the team sets aside for them to work on this stuff. Said they weren't doing enough to prepare themselves. He obviously feels that Albert Wilson is different, and that's a big reason why he came over from Kansas City, which, if you recall, a column that I wrote on Wilson, one of the things the Chiefs staff really lauded Wilson for was his preparation and grasping Andy Reid's very complex playbook. And to speak further on that, we talked about training camp coming to an end. The Dolphins won't have these practices available to the public, like no fans can come in anymore, and it'll be limited availability for the media. And with that, I think you're going to see them expand what they do in terms of incorporating more packages, more wrinkles into the offense. It's all about building brick by brick. And when you put several bricks down on the offensive side of the football, you can start to throw in different variations off of that. Play calling is all about rhythm, timing, and setting the defense up. And I think Gaze has his base installed, and now you're going to start seeing more wrinkles off of that. And they might not unleash that until the regular season but if they do he even talked about how last year they couldn't really preseason game plan like they wanted to because of the way the schedule worked out but this year they can with the week off between each game and I think you might see a little bit of that in if not game two definitely game three against the Baltimore Ravens a little bit of a game plan and a little bit of a plan to get those guys ready for Sundays come September. Another note that Coach Gaze made was talking about Ryan Tannehill taking unnecessary hits and how they want to limit those unnecessary hits. And it made me wonder that if on that last pass against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Thursday night, if Tannehill was instructed to not try to escape the pocket and make plays with his legs because it looked like he had room to escape to the left. But as he kind of started to begin to move that way, he threw the football down around Kalen Balazs' hip, the back of his hip, an inaccurate throw. And it almost felt like a throwaway because of the inaccuracy on it. So you wonder if there's something to be said there. Obviously, during the season, they want him to get involved in being playing fast and loose and not having to worry about any of that stuff. But I think that during the preseason, they probably want to manage that. 
And the last comment that really stood out to me was talking about the rookie class and how he said he has such high expectations for this rookie group and he's been very impressed by them that typically a lot of times rookies come in, you want to see these guys develop in three years. But for this class, he expects to have five or six immediate contributors and he attests to that by saying these guys have been all about football. They've done what they've had to do to get here early. They've stayed late. They've shown that football is their entire life, what they care about and what they want to treat as a profession. So again, that same model, that same message getting preached that we're going to be a team that cares more about football than our off-field glamour, our clothing lines, all the stuff that other guys have done in the past. And I think they've really shifted towards that and transitioned towards a more positive type of outlook in terms of how this team works. And that's just going to about do it for me talking about training camp practices. Tomorrow we're going to have Antoine Staley on the show. He'll give us his entire camp report. And then Friday will be a game day preview, just as we did last week. Both of those shows will be out by the time you wake up on those particular days. As for today, I got to get out of here. But first, before I do that, I have to remind you guys, as always, to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Thank you.